Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. This week's episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and we're starting off 2015 with a bang. Uh, we have brought back somebody whom uh, Kevin and I interviewed around two years ago, but this is the first time in which we've had her as our guest. She is a very well-known actor, both on television, on stage, and most likely for a lot of you kids. She has been a huge voice actress, voicing characters such as uh, Snap from Chalk Zone, as well as um, Reggie Bullnerd. She was Cheese in Foster's Home, Dexter in Dexter's Laboratory. We have Candy Milo. Candy, welcome to Casual Chats. Thank you. Hi, Patricia. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. It's a really nice sunny day here in Florida, and I take it over there in L.A. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah, but I love Florida. <laughs> I do. I love Florida. I sang with uh, in um, Walt Disney World. Um, I was an, an all-American college player many, many, many moons ago, and I have very great memories of uh, Florida, Orlando, um, and all around there. It's yeah. great. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely wonderful. Now, yeah. um, now we've asked uh, num- you know numerous questions uh, around two years ago, but I'm sure for maybe some people they like to get some updates on what you've been doing. But before we do that, uh, we want to discuss about you know where you uh, got your inspirations for acting. Well, I think um, it was kind of a it, something that was always inside of me that I, I really. Um, I really had always wanted to do something in the arts. My my father, who is long gone, but um, you know, he I have much older brothers and sisters. You know, he was um, in show business, and I just wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I actually started as a singer. But in high school, I had a wonderful drama teacher named Kathy Spielberger, and I got a lot of my inspiration uh, from her. I I think that was a really important start. And then I was lucky enough many years later to work with Michael Bennett um, in the first national tour of Dreamgirls. Um, He wrote um, a a chorus line. I got to work with geniuses like Michael Bennett and Michael Peters, who choreographed Dreamgirls with Michael Bennett, but also choreographed thriller and a lot of Michael Jackson's um, earlier videos. So I pull from professionals better than myself, I like to say, um, but I don't think that I'd be where I was without my high school drama teacher. 
Now, were there any particular actors or actresses that you also got your inspirations from? Oh, yeah. I think um, I loved Anne Bancroft, which is a very bizarre name to go back to. She was... um, she is gone, but she was married to Mel Blanc, and she was a beautiful actor who uh, who also was a director. She directed Dom DeLuise in this fabulous movie called Fatso, and she was the uh, lead in, um, oh God, it just went out of The Graduate, and oh. I just loved her and wanted to be her, um, and I think Marlon Brando was a big um influence in my life how he acted so organically i really love that um and then i think performing wise comedian all around doing everything was madeline khan um that i thought she was amazing in young frankenstein and everything that she ever did blazing saddles and then even later in life before she passed away she was doing a lot of cartoons so um she was my my big idol um and then i was lucky enough to meet a big huge inspiration and we are now friends and that is lorraine newman who was on the first uh season of saturday night live um does a lot of cartoon stuff and she's an amazing actor and comedian and writer and i i wanted to be lorraine newman when i was growing up when i saw saturday night live i just think she's wonderful so those are some of my my star inspirations oh that sounds really wonderful considering that you know speaking with uh discussing about all of the the inspirations you were talking about uh, young frankenstein recently celebrated its 50th anniversary snl yeah i know it's amazing and snl is going to be celebrating its 40th anniversary similar to what um the FFS channel did to the Simpsons, which they're going to showcase every single episode that featured in its 40 year run, starting off with uh, the early years, uh, you know, featuring Lorraine Newman. Oh my God. All I will tell you is that when I watch episodes, when she plays the stupid sidekick against Dan Aykroyd's Bassomatic, when he used to put the fish in the blender and all she would do is laugh that insane laugh. I, I will tell you, I, you can hear my voice is very husky and low and it's always been like this. I have to tell you that I would try to giggle like Lorraine Newman and she can still do it to this day and laugh like that, that high pitched crazy giggle. I, I cannot wait for FX to do the SNL um, retrospective. I think that'll be brilliant. Um, I don't know if, if FX is going to be the one to do it, but I do know that I think one of the channels is going to be doing it, but oh, I... Well, maybe, probably NBC. Yeah, probably. Duh. Duh. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Regardless, whatever channel, I- I'm sure a ton of people who are huge SNL fans are going to be so looking forward to it, and... Oh, yeah. You know, with SNL being a huge impact for you know, Hollywood in general. I mean, a lot of the cast members of SNL, you know, would later on go off to do numerous um, movies and TV shows and even voice and cartoons. And- oh, yeah. And the new crowd, um, the latest crowd, um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig. I, I am I am huge fans of oh, these women. Yes. Coming. Yeah, they are just geniuses. Um you know, they're, it, it, it's all really good. And I am actually one of the people really looking forward to the all-female Ghostbuster cast. I am really excited about that. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people are complaining about the Ghostbusters reboot because they're all females. But, you know, 
I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that it might turn out to be really decent because when you have somebody like Kristen Wiig and yeah. Melissa McCarthy coming along and they did a yeah. fantastic job with Bridesmaids and Paul Figg. Yeah. The director. I mean, just look, it was it was many, many years ago when people thought the First Wives Club would bomb because it was all females. Sure. Um, and it was a huge success for middle-aged women. Cher, Bette Midler, um, Goldie Hawn. It was huge. Bridesmaids, they didn't think was going to be great. You've got a powerhouse like Kristen Wiig behind it. It was a huge success. That kind of, I say yes, Ghostbusters has been done done brilliantly, um, directed by Ivan Reitman, and everything was really great. I think you have to see, take a deep breath, and see what Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy bring to the table. You have to see what their spin on it is because I haven't seen, um, I've seen Melissa McCarthy in some bad stuff, but she's still brilliant in it. But I haven't seen Kristen Wiig in a lot of bad movies. I think she's an ex, like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I think these are excellent writers with excellent taste. I just can't wait to see how in the heck they make it all female. I can't wait. I'm yeah. excited for it. I mean, and come on. I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, I mean, how many times have they, you know, hosted various, um, you know, um, you know, things on TV and yeah. how many times that people absolutely love that? Yeah, and I, you know, they do a, they do the most thankless job in the world hosting um, Golden Globes, and I think they knock it out of the park every single time. I love watching them. So I I like to say, let's give Ghostbusters a chance, and I'm the girl that's really excited for it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, McCandy. I'm sure that maybe maybe when people listen to this podcast, maybe they'll be able to give Ghostbusters a little bit of a chance. I think so. Girls are not bad. Nope. Girls are not icky. We do not have cooties. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, discussing about, you know, earlier parts in your career and seeing about how you, you know, not only performed around Disney World and you also sang and you also did stand-up um, performances um, alongside with people such as the late Joan Rivers and Howie Mandel. And um, from uh, what I've also read, um, you know, also being a part of some sort of kind of like an attempt of a reality show or something... Yes. Uh, many, many, many moons ago, I went to a call, um, and the paper that was around L.A. was called Dramalogue, and it's now Backstage, and now it's called Backstage West, and they had a call for, like, a rock group like the Monkees that they were putting together with Davy Jones and Michael Nesmith, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. So I went to this dance studio in L.A. called the Debbie Reynolds Dance Studio and waited with, like, literally a thousand women. Um, the audition started at 9, and I got there at 6 a.m., and I was, like, number 100. There were already women lined up. And it was this huge cattle call over three weeks where they were looking for um, the world's first reality show, and that was they were putting together a girls' rock and roll group to travel around the United States, and um, they needed five singers who had interesting lives. And at the end of it, I was chosen, and I traveled around the United States for 16 weeks in a bus um, with a mic pack on. And um, they, they filmed my life. 
they filmed everything. Um, and it was quite interesting. I learned a lot about myself. I also learned, Patricia, um, the way I don't want to go, you know, in life, how I would probably never do something like that again. And I would not encourage um, anybody else to do it because so much of the reality is in the edit. Um, and the editors can make things that never happened look like they happened. Um, and it was, it was just a too much of a fishbowl, and I had just lost my dad to a heart attack during the beginning filming of that, and to have that personal tragedy be so focused in the movie, it was really tough, but it was called Reaching for the Stars, and we were on The Tonight Show um, with Johnny Carson um, at the end of the show, live, so it it was a really interesting time of my life. Yeah, and considering about how popular reality shows are and how manipulative and how controversial it can get, it's just, I mean, it's just really messy. And, you know, for some reason, people just love to watch it because it brings them out of reality. But then there are some people who hate it because it's not realistic. Right. Well, you know, I think you you know this for a fact. You know this in your heart. People will do anything for money. Sure. Also, I think people watch because... It makes their lives seem better when you see all these people so screwed up, you know. And I think it's like, wow, at least I'm not that bad. Um, I I remember watching the first season of Mob Wives thinking, oh, my God, I cannot believe what these women, that none of these women are arrested. This is like the family. Um, And I laughed along until I watched and almost to a single one, every one of the children of these women are just so messed up and forced to acknowledge that their fathers, their uncles, their grandfathers are all in prison and everybody across the United States knows now. And, I, you know, it's very intrusive and, you know, you know, the Internet doesn't go away. It's just it's there forever. Yeah, that's true. One something <laughs> that you do and you regret doing gets posted it's going to spread like wildfire and you absolutely never absolutely yes and considering that one of the women from mob wives is already in jail that just goes to show you that not everything is sacred right right and you're not safe just because you're saying it on tv you know you're not safe reality you you know we have a first amendment right which is to the free speech okay yeah, yeah. you are absolutely allowed to say whatever you want free speech does not mean that there are no consequences to what you do or what you say um there are consequences and i think that brands um fail and um when people do bad things. So, yeah, you always pay the piper, and karma is really good at making sure everybody does. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it may not be um, shown now, but someday it's going to pay huge consequences, and when it burns, it's going to burn really, really hot, and everybody's going to see it. Yes, absolutely. It's really true. It's really true. It's something that I tell my daughter, you know, it's not your business. Let it go. Don't worry that somebody does something and gets away with it. It, it all eventually catches up. Life is very long. Yes. And it all catches up. It does. Yeah. So, um, not dwell into the negative stuff because I'm sure our listeners uh, want to hear something a little bit more positive nowadays. Yeah. So, okay. You know, going into um, 
your acting career, you know, not everything is all sun sunshines and rainbows. I, I recently listened to your discussion on uh, one of your auditions on Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson, and the one where you get into the um, the audition for Annie, and I thought it was really, really hilarious. But <laughs> you are gonna laugh. I saw Rob Paulson um, last. Uh, when I just saw him Wednesday and we were talking about it and I got a chance to tell him that when the microphone stopped, he and I continued to talk. He was in my home and we are friends. And um, when we finished, I told him I was going to write a club act, a, a one woman show, a nightclub act called If She Taps Your Father. <laughs> my life beginning with childhood hell. And I did write it, and I'm getting ready to do it in L.A. in June at federal uh, the Federal Bar. Michael Sterling's upstairs at the Federal Bar in June um, coming up. And um, I'm laughing right now because I was just writing one of the bits, and I was writing out the story of my father taking me. I mean, do we have time? Should I say the story? Go ahead, or go ahead. Please, please say it. All right, so... Um, the, the creators of Annie were in the Bay Area, um, the San Jose area, which is San Jose, California, which is where I'm from. And they had scouted about six of us girls who came from San Jose to come down, to fly down to L.A. and audition for the first national tour of Annie. And I was really young. I was like 14 or 15 um, girls younger than I. And we all flew down and on PSA Airlines that is no longer and we arrive and we go to the First Methodist Church, which is on the corner of Highland and Franklin in the heart of Hollywood. And we're all lined up. And um, one by one, we're cut. Some of us are cut. We're too old. Um, we're also getting ready to go into late teens or real teenagers. And they want little girls. So I keep getting capped, even though I am close to 15. I'm very dark. Um, I'm Italian and Latin, and I'm dark, complected, and, you know, they wanted, like, little white orphans at that time, and <laughs> they keep keeping me because I can tap, and I'm a really good tapper, so I'm tapping, and we sit outside, and, you know, two of my little friends um, stay in the room, and they eventually get the tour. They actually did it. Oh, and, cool. Um, but they keep me and they have me wait and they say, we just want to see this one last girl. Uh, we're waiting for her. So just wait outside um, and then we're going to teach you this other song. So we're waiting outside and in walks this tiny girl. I'm sure she was 10. She looked like she was five and she had gigantic brown eyes and there's a mop of curly black hair. And my father who's sitting next to me and who has lit a cigar indoors inside this um, thing looks at me and he said, you better hope this fucking kid can't sing. <laughs> and I looked and he, uh, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why he said that. And I just looked at him and I, I thought, oh my God. So she's really adorable. And she walks by and she waves and I wave and my dad starts laughing. She goes in and all of a sudden we hear the sun will come out. And she is singing. And my dad looks at me and he said, I'll tell you what, if she taps, you're fucked. And then like two seconds later, we hear. And she is tapping up a storm. My dad looks at me and goes, let's go. You're done. And I said, 
I am not done. I am not leaving until they tell me I am finished. And my dad looks at me and he goes, oh, you're finished. <laughs> and he starts walking away. And I'm sitting on this bench outside the door and I cross my arms and I cross my legs and I am not moving. And he's down all the way at the end of this long hall and he whistles. And he's like, let's go. I said, I'm not leaving. And they open the door and Charles Strauss sticks his hat out and he says, candy. And my dad screams out, you're done. Charles says, well, yes, honey, you're done. Thank you so much. You were so great. Don't you are so wonderful. And my dad starts walking and that was it. Now, the bad thing was um, I was I didn't get the show and I was really de devastated. The good thing was I was so mad at my dad that I didn't get mad at them and I didn't really like pine after the show like a lot of crazy women my age who didn't get the show like they still wear red wigs they're still so into annie and and what could have been and blah 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 uh, but the good news was if i think back on it my dad prepared me and years later he said she walked in she was obviously 10 but she looked five they could get five years out of this little girl doing the show and they could probably get a year out of you before you start looking like a woman and i was like oh the little girl turned out to be danielle brisbois wow the girl from all in the family from all in the family who is now like this amazing superstar songwriter yeah like i think she has an academy award song um this year i mean she is truly amazing and that's who it was and she was so cute i wanted to stab her she was so <laughs> damn cute patricia and she was so little and but but that was it he said you know that if that kid sings you better hope that fucking kid can't sing and then she sings like amazing and then he's my dad, if she taps, you're fucked. And then we hear like a minute later her tapping her little brains out. And my dad, I love that my dad just like stood up and walked away. Like, okay, let's go. We're finished. Let's go. Like, wait a minute here. So that's my story. And then I wrote an entire show about sort of my life with those kinds of things happening to me. Like, that's... That is what um, my life is, is just sto stories like that. <laughs> so that's my story. <laughs> I, I mean, what could have turned out to be a huge negative part in your life turned out to be something so incredibly humorous that you're able to make fun of it. And <laughs> I, I think that that's, I say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And a lot of people say what doesn't kill you simply missed. But I do believe that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I did. I turned something that could have been a negative into a positive. But more than that, I watched a, a, a documentary on all the girls that did not get Annie and the making of Annie the musical. And a lot of these people are they they needed to have my dad as a dad. In yeah. the world. They really did. They, my dad put it right into perspective. That's really all it was. And unfortunately, I try to do the same thing for my daughter. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that there's therapy. So there'll be help for her. Yeah. <laughs> well, nowadays, um, you know, looking for the new Annie is not about a white girl with, you know, red curly hair. Nowadays, right. because of the new Annie movie, it's a black girl, which, you know, yeah. a lot of people said that it's unnecessary. But, you know, I think it gives a new twist into the story. I mean, you have to in order for you to keep it relevant. 
I, I do. I think, you know, everybody, uh, people of color have been marginalized for so long um, on Broadway that I think it was great to give a, a new idea. And, and who knows, maybe they maybe they put it on Broadway and there's more opportunity uh, for everybody to participate. And that's really what it's about, opening up the field to yeah. participate. And then we'll have plenty of more stories of, you know, yes. young girls coming in and then maybe sometime they'll be just like your dad in which they'll say, you know, if she taps, you're fucked. And <laughs> then we'll have a new story about that. Who knows? <laughs> 22nd century uh, documentary discussing about, uh, you know, the next continuation of Annie. There you go. And Annie is still running and they're still using television stars as Miss Hannigan. Still Exactly. In the 22nd century. Yep, they still are. Anyway, but I really like um, your you know, philosophy of you know, taking what could have been negative into something strong because I was born with Asperger's syndrome and the, I've been told a lot as a young child you know, from numerous doctors and therapists that I wasn't going to speak, I wasn't going to graduate from high school, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to be, you know functioning in normal society but you know long story short not only was I able to speak I graduated from high school I graduated from college and Mm -hmm. I was on the dean's list twice and uh yeah last time I checked I still am functioning normally in society I have a job uh, I have friends and I seem to be you know perfectly you know normal I I mean when I, I the job that I'm currently working at I am surrounded by a lot of people who are um, Down syndrome or who have physical and mental disorders, and I, you know, feel for them because y- y- they they could have been so depressed, but I always see them so happy. They're always cheerful, and it's like you know what d- doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and you yeah. can be able to take something so negative and be able to bring it up. You know, m- some people that I've met over the years who have had Down syndrome are some of the nicest and happiest people that I ever met. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you know, but in when I was a child, my father, uh, when he quit show business, opened California's first halfway house for, um, you know, mentally ill, mentally disturbed, emotionally disturbed people, and um, he forgot to get us a second house. Wow. I lived in with people who were um, differently abled, and I saw and was face-to-face with um, people who saw what life had handed them and they could either be medicated and be depressed all day long or that they could rise above it and find the joy in what they could do. Um, I just, I I, I think today people are so, uh, everybody wants to be a superstar that when you don't really have the ability to be a superstar, that bar is so high that some people can't find joy in just being alive. And I think that when you work with people with Down syndrome and um, people who are differently enabled um, and they have different issues, you know, happiness and success to them is on a whole different playing field. It's a whole different reaching for the heights. And I, I... think it's wonderful and you know it's so funny um i think asperger's is a um you know it was made famous by all the famous people that had it 
Um, but I think we'll find one day that it is not a liability for anybody, Patricia. It is a, um, it just, you just see things differently than uh, everybody else does. Yeah. And that's what I really believe. And you feel things deeply and different than anybody else does. And I, I think that's the, that's the main difference of Asperger's and, and people without it. I really do. Yeah, definitely. People who are autistic or have Asperger's syndrome, they are different. They do feel odd, especially when it comes to talking to people or trying to develop social skills or right. they like a certain thing more than others. They even come become obsessed with it. But in some ways, um, you know, we are able to function just like everybody else and we're able to have advantages over people who are considered to be quote unquote normal. Right. And You know, just remember that someone who doesn't know you um, decided what normal was. Yeah. Somebody gave that moniker without knowing any, anything. And I, you know, I just think that everybody just has to, to um, take a deep breath and realize that uh, life is short um, and do the best that you can, whatever that is and reach for happiness always really, truly. Absolutely. Wow, we just got um, a little bit on the downside again. So I'm very sorry. Let's try bringing it up again. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> so um, going back into um, your acting career, and I, yeah. you know, um, I recently went onto YouTube and I saw some of your uh, little commercial uh, skits. <laughs> uh, I saw the Rhodes commercial. I saw the Mervins commercials, and. Yeah. I, I was wondering, um, were a lot of the stuff that you did were, um, you know, did you have to read it from a script or was it all ad-libbed? Um, most of the Rhodes stuff was that you really laugh at was ad-lib. Um, but it's really great because if you look at the Rhodes commercials on my website um, and YouTube, um, they are the, the beginning of voiceover. You can hear characters that I've ended up doing in different animated series. This is Furniture Forum. Topic, selection, furniture. How does it work? Furniture selection is like the essence of Rhodes. Mm. Rhodes furniture! Yes! Thousands of room combinations, oodles of dinettes, chairs, bedrooms, brilliant, smishy... Selection! Stop it! Price! Ladies, Rhodes, we love it! Why? Selection! Selection! Low prices! And selection. Four women, one vision. A country not afraid to pay less for great furniture. And the Mervins, uh, the open, 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 which became super famous, um, uh, like a catchphrase, was an ad lib. Hey, where are you? Mervin Super Sale is back. I'm here. I'm here. Just in time to save on men's Windridge shirts and kids' Oshkosh shortalls. I can't believe I almost missed it. Don't miss saving 60% on all fine jewelry, 14-karat gold, diamonds, and sterling silver. Well, I didn't exactly almost miss it, but I am only four hours early. Save throughout the store during Mervyn Super Sale starting Saturday, 8 a.m. Open, open, open. But um, that's usually a scripted, commercials especially are scripted, because you have legal and you have advertising rules and laws, so they write it so that it's legal and true. So when you ad-lib, it's, it's, it's tough to ad-lib. It, it really is. It's easier now because a lot of times the commercial has really nothing to do with pricing or anything like that. They save that till the end, and somebody else says that in a voiceover. Um, 
but I still do love it because I, I think of commercials as 30-second movies, and they're super fun to do, and they are, the only drag is they start at um, 6 a.m. in the morning, and you have to get there at 5 to get a makeup, which means you have to get up at 3, which means you have to go to bed at, like, five days before. <laughs> they're just early morning shoots that I hate that. I'm not an early morning girl. Yeah. So another question I was wondering about, um, you know, besides, you know, commercials and um, you also did performances on stage. Like uh, recently you did Scary the Musical. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of Twitter posts on that. And I recently saw another YouTube clip in which you were on another one that featured Angela Carol Brown. And you were like uh, the person who was running the audition. That was really great. That is that's fabulous. That's very good. You wrote that. That's great. Listen. I gotta go. I'm gonna make this quick because I'm in a rush. And I got a piece of advice for you. You gotta fatten up your repertoire. You know what I'm saying? Because jazz is fine. I hear jazz singer. I smell pretension. You know what I'm saying? Because what is jazz? Do you know what I mean? It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I mean, what is jazz? Is is Bill Evans jazz? Is Miles Davis jazz? I mean, anymore? Is Anita Baker jazz? Some say yes. Some say no, it's too ambiguous. So I'm telling you that what you gotta do is cover your bases. You gotta put a little more Broadway. You gotta put a little top 40, a little pop. You gotta cover all your bases, all the important bases, really. And that should work. Listen, I got a split. I got hip hop dancers at 310. I got an illusion at 320, but you were very good. That was very cute. And I'll call you. Yeah, she um, wrote music for a one woman show that I put together, and uh, Marley Matlin, the actress, produced it. Um, it was a benefit for a mutual friend of ours who was very sick with AIDS, and we were raising money for his medical bills. Oh. And um, Angela wrote all the uh, music and um, directed me, and then I directed her uh, on stage. And stage is wonderful, and one of the great things about voiceover is that um, I've had such a wonderful time and a great career that it has really afforded me the ability to do theater, which which doesn't pay anything, you know, much at all, like $25 a night just for performances in the Los Angeles area. But, you know, there's something about being live um, and not holding a script and reading from a script like we do in voiceover. There's something about that that's quite amazing and freeing and it gets you firing all over your body and all over your mind. It's it's really wonderful. And I, I love doing it. Um, I really do. So um, Scary Musical was genius. Um, it was Scary Musical, the Scary Musical. And we did, um, we ran um, eight weeks, I think. No, we ran nine weeks in Los Angeles. And I, I hope it goes to Broadway. That's what I'm... I'm hoping I think it's really that that good and I had the most fun working every night um well Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday it was really wonderful and to get to create a role which is creating a role for stage is very similar to doing one um you know for voiceover it's really the same principle it was the most fun I think I've had in just about forever wow really Charlie it was so much fun so much fantastic Now, uh, of course, you know, with your voice acting roles, uh, there's so many to talk about. I mean, we could talk about, like, people, you know, characters such as Sweetie Bird from Tiny Toons to oh my God. Um, see, the, the mom and the teacher from Cow and Chicken and um, ah. 
Also, uh, you know, Astro Boy and Dexter from Dexter's Lab, which, you know, recently Christine Cavagnaugh passed away. Yeah, that was really tough. You know, I, uh, I worked with Chrissy, you know, before cartoons. We had the same on-camera agent, and she was just so fast and funny, and she was a sketch artist, uh, meaning that she did a lot of improv, which is, you know, I think that's the best training for voice acting um, to do uh, improv. And, you know, I think life just uh, got way too heavy for her. She quit um, and moved to Utah where she had family. And I don't know what had happened, but I do know that she was fragile when she left and um, in fragile health. And I I don't know, um, you know, what happened? I just like to think that I, I don't like to think that life broke her apart. I, I just I, I don't like to go there. And because I'm not an expert, I don't know. But I, I know that we the voiceover community lost a great girl when she quit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She, uh, I she feel- was a fantastic human being besides being, um, you know, drop dead funny um, and she had such an unusual speaking voice that she was able to create all those just great characters by using an enormous heart and an enormous gift of timing. So, um, you know, and now that she's gone, I, all I can think of is what a waste, you know, absolutely absolute waste of talent. You know, discussing about Dexter and Dexter's lab, were you the one who voiced um, Dexter in the episode Dexter's rude removal or was uh, Chrissy the one who did it? You know, I think it was Chrissy. I don't remember. I know that that episode only got one airing and then it never aired again. Yeah. And it's kind of like an episode I did um, for Cow and Chicken Mm -hmm. called Buffalo Gals, where um, uh, Cow has decided that she wants to ride motorcycles with buffaloes and she wants to become a buffalo and become butch and... Uh, it was so rude that um, it only ran once and then standards and practices pulled it. So I can't find the credit. And when I look back on the residuals that I get, um, I don't know um, if it was me or her because mm-hmm. I've never heard it. If I go into the archives and try to find it online, it's hard for me to find an original. A lot of times you have people doing montages of it or they've cut it up. So I don't, I actually don't know. And the next favorite one, Omelette du Fromage, I don't know if that's me or her either. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, <laughs> regardless on who did it, I got to say that, you know, th- those were really interesting performances, I got to tell you. Yeah. And, you know, that's the writing. And so much of that is Gendy Tartakovsky's writing. He wrote the first um, seasons and... Um, I took over. Christina did the first two, and then they stopped it. And and then they, when they came back, I did the next one. Um, and I only would do it um, because uh, she was done. It wasn't like what happened on Babe, where Christine asked for more money, and they went and they got a sound alike to her to uh, um, undercut her, and somebody else did Babe too, um, Pig in the City, but. My situation was Christine was already gone and she was not coming back. And then I then I took over because they wanted to bring it back. And it was really trying to find what she had done 
with the character because that will tell you how you get into the voice and it was so great but meeting Gendy and talking to him um Dexter's voice is Gendy by the way the creator it is it's it's exactly what he sounds like only in a man oh I see oh my god like a French Russian um kid except he is a man's voice but it is that the whole thing where he talks like that. That's what Gendy talks like. He talks like <laughs> almost like this. It's crazy. He's talking like this. And I was like, I can't even look at you right now because you are sounding like Dexter. You are Russian, sort of. Such a thick accent. And it was really, it was fun. It was great. It was kind of a thankless job, though, because when somebody creates a character like that, you know, it's hard to replace it. And... You know, they're like, oh, the timing would be so different. And I'd have to say, yes, Chris and I are two different people with two different minds. And I'm not going in her way and she wouldn't go in my way. But I do sound like her. So we're going to have to do her voice my way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have her brain. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that Nancy Cartwright felt the same way when she had to voice Chucky when Chrissy left. Yeah. Well, you know, that. That whole thing was um, really fascinating. I had replaced Chrissy on everything. And I had done the original um, video game all grown up. And I had done, I was replacing her. And then um, they were afraid that the brand um, was failing. So they decided to get a celebrity. And that's what, how Nancy Cartwright came in. Because the early episodes of Nancy as Chucky, she sounds like Bart Simpson with a cold. Yeah. Um, uh, and I had already been up and running, but, um, the, the powers that be at Klasky Chupo, who had created the show, were looking for a way to revitalize it. And that's when they put Nancy in the part. But I had originally done, um, uh, the role of Chucky, it replaced Chrissy already on, um, numerous videos. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, in video games, I mean. So it was, it, it was really very interesting and that's the politics of voiceover you know that's the actor doesn't own the brand the studio does and so they decided to go that way with it and I know Nancy and I think she did a she eventually did just a really great job but it was tough you know we didn't want to step in and do somebody's job and then have them come back and want their job and then hate us you know for having taken it so we we all wanted to make sure that she was really retired and gone before we did, um, before we did anything, um, like that. So it was great, but I, I'm really sorry that we, we lost Chris. She was fantastic. Really, truly. Yeah, definitely. And once again, we are going through a negative. <laughs> oh my, what is wrong with me? Our show. Yay! Yay! Take three of happiness. Okay. <laughs> so back to the positives. Oh yes. man. Recently, um, if any of you guys uh, check out my channel, I gotten a package from Bill Burnett, and he gave me an unreleased Chalk Zone CD called the Chalk Zone Double Dozen. And so listening great. to um, you know all the songs again and rewatching the episodes again, I thought that you know you E.G. Daly and Hinden Walsh did amazing singing the songs and performing as the characters. Was what was fun. that experience like? Oh, first of all, great cast members. Um, second of all, Bill Burnett is a genius. Great. Um, he is so fantastic. 
at creating these worlds, you know, think about it. Where do chalk drawings go when kids erase them? I mean, that is the most genius concept on the planet. And he would write these songs once a week. And we had two recording sessions. We would, he would write an episode of Chalk Zone and we'd record it. And then he would write um, a song and we'd come in the next day and record it. So, I mean, he was doing amazing artistic output, you know, just an amazing amount of work um, uh, every week. And it was so fun. And uh, E.G. was so wonderful to work with. She's such a fantastic singer and songwriter. Um, Hinden was amazing. Uh, it was the most fun. But the episodes were were so great. And, you know, we, we wanted to do... Um, MTV released videos on Nick, you know, like these make music videos, uh, animated videos out of our um, uh, songs. And I don't think that they sort of bought off on it, but that would have been like really amazing. Before there was a Radio Disney, you would have been able, kids would have been able to watch Nickelodeon and see um, um, these great, uh, you know, music videos for kids. So fun. Uh, what were your favorite songs that you performed for Chalk Zone? Um, I think Mary Chris Hanukkah Moss. Oh, I love that one, yes. Yeah, that was just kind of genius. And then um, Escucha Mi Corazon, Listen to My Heart. Was yes, so. I love that one as well. Uh, yeah, just some great, you know, great songs. We had, um, you know, Susie Williams um, on there as well and Jess Harnell, just these amazing singers, Um and actors as well. It was so fun. It was really a great time. And, you know, we got cut short on what we were, our, our show was, I think we only did like 22. We didn't even do the full 26 before they decided, you know, to pull the plug. And it's a shame because I thought it was just this genius show and, and people your age, they really remember it. They know it. They remember it. It was such a good show. Absolutely. Show great for kids. And, really highly imaginative and you could reach way down to young ages and you could go all the way up to 10 or 12. Yeah, definitely. And the complete series of Chalk Zone is finally released on DVD so kids can be able to watch it and be able to listen to the music. That's so great. That is so great. Yeah, that's so wonderful. That makes me really happy. Absolutely. And uh, another one which, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to, you know, discuss on, uh, they want to know about your experiences with Cool World. Now, we discussed about it briefly uh, when we asked you this question two years ago, but were there any other stories that you didn't mention when we first talked to you about it that you want to share with us? I think that one of the great things about dealing with Ralph Bakshi, who is actually... um, my friend on Facebook and um, he is active on Facebook and he posts a lot of drawings that he does, which is so cool because he does, you know, um, he did the Hobbit yes. Fritz cat and, you know, he's got, a, a, what is it? Not a metal jack, a metal gear or something like that. And he'll, he'll put up, but he puts up the artwork for, chalk zone all the time and it was quite amazing i i don't know if i mentioned last time that when i went to the set um the set was painted by gang graffiti artists no yeah so um the background that they used that brad pitt and gabriel byrne and kim basinger oh yes he who should who should not be named yes i know 
God, don't even get me started. Don't, 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 don't even. I don't, we know. negative. All right. So um, the whole set was all tagged and, and graffitied out. And Ralph had hired, um, and Mancu- Frank Mancuso Jr. had hired um, graffiti artists to paint the set. So you can see all this tagging. And it was just like this amazing, this amazing movie. And I, I don't know what. I, I think the issue always was story, and I, I also think that the issue, and I think he would agree, was that you had an animator who was used to, to um, uh, animation timing, um, trying to direct actors who had no idea what the concept of timing was, and he, re- he would then require um acting in in animation time which which can't be done you know and so i think it was just a really frustrating situation but it was just the coolest experience and the voice actors were treated like just as fabulously as the star talent was um and that was really amazing that was really a wonderful experience the whole thing was so great and i was incredibly pregnant Yes, uh, you did mention that uh, two years ago that you were eight months pregnant with your yes. now daughter Gabby, who yes, recently was, so- was on State of Affairs, but with yes. Chad Eagle. That must she, be so amazing. Yeah, she had the most uh, wonderful time. She said it was super well written. Um, the the writer is is phenomenal. It's a woman, and she was directed by Joshua Bolt. Butler, who was now on Vampire Diaries, I think, and um, he is just, I, I think she had a wonderful time, and it was interesting, her process, which I'll let her hopefully tell you about, was that, you know, it was a long time coming, she auditioned, and then didn't hear anything, and thought she got it, and didn't hear anything, and I kept saying, you never know, you never know, you just be patient. And it turned out that the part that she got was part of a three episode arc. And she was in the third episode. Her character appeared in the third episode. So when they, they, you know, they, I guess they pin you now or they do something. And I don't know what it's called. I haven't done on camera in a while um, for television. And then it, nothing happened, and she said, I didn't get it. And she said, I'm going to cut my hair. And I said, you are a dumb girl. Don't do anything until they tell you no, that you didn't, until your episode is actually filmed. So it, it turned out that it was so great. She had a wonderful time. It was just a, a great experience, and I it was so fun. And she's also doing a lot of voice work, um, and I will let her tell you about that. But it's so fun to raise a daughter in uh, while doing show business and then have her turn out to love it so much. It's really, it's really wonderful. It, it makes me very happy. I'm very proud of her. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm excited for her. So we have new stuff. I have new stuff coming out. Oh, cool. Please share. So with, um, what's already on the air or available on Netflix is I am in the adventures of Puss in Boots, um, and the role of Antonio Banderas is vo- voiced by um, Eric Bauza, who's amazing. And I play this kid, uh, Kid Pickles, and I play um, a goblin named uh, Cleveland. And so far, almost all episodes um, produced have been uh, us in, and it's so wonderful. The show is run by Doug Lan- uh, Landale, and he is fantastic. The writing is 
really great on that. And it's on Netflix now and it is CGI and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's fantastic. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. Um, and then on, um, Nickelodeon, we were, I was part of a shorts program that I had done like, I don't know, four or five years ago. And they decided to make this short called pig goat banana mantis. And it was this very, very cow and chicken-esque, absurd, phenomenally funny short. And now they've changed it to Pig Goat Banana Cricket. And we are um, airing in October or sooner on Nickelodeon. And we have 26 episodes that we're recording right now. And I'm in the coveted role of Goat, who is a psychotic wannabe mega songwriter singer. And oh, she's that's, horrible. That's perfect. <laughs> oh my god, Patricia! Oh my god, it's the. I'm actually wearing my pig goat banana cricket T-shirt right now. Oh, cool! The, sh- the show is psychotic, and it makes me so happy. I can't stand it. Every Wednesday, I sit in the same chair that I sat in for um, Chalk Zone, which mm-hmm. is and my life as a teenage robot, which is amazing. Yes. Um, sit in my same chair in the same studio with the same fabulous engineers and we are making a show that I think is going to be a huge hit. I'm hoping they bring us as a panel to Comic-Con. Oh, that would be so good, yes. It's really, really wrong. And, I mean, Goat sounds a little bit like this and there's something just so wrong with her. She's wrong. She's so wrong. I love her. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and then what else did I do? I did Camp WWE for... Um, Film Roman, which is really good, and I think that's online, and it is the, the wrestlers of today, these big, grown, hairy men, as um, kids, and they go to sleepaway camp as, <laughs> really? oh my god, and I play Kane, which is just amazing, um, he grunts a lot, it, it was really fun, um, it was really fun to be a part of that, that was really great. And let's see, you know, I did Scary Musical and I did a film called Bark Mitzvah. Um, It's a short film uh, directed by uh, Kendall Goldberg, who is a student at Chapman University. And it was written and produced by um, Carly Glenn, who is a senior in um, University of Hartford. These talented, it was like a student short It was the funniest thing I have ever done, and we are getting ready to, I'm going out to New York to a screening of it at the end of March, Um, and it's just hilarious. It's about a family that bar mitzvahs their dog, and it is just hilarious. We had a real rabbi. We had, it was hilarious, so I have been actually kind of busy it's been really great it's been really 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 fun really great so um those are really happy peppy things that are coming out and I'm, i'm very proud of them and i'm i'm really excited and oh my gosh i just got a notice the other day can i share something that's kind of fun sure maybe your listeners can take some heart from something like this. So I was asked to um, come in and do a scratch track 
Are you familiar with what a scratch track is? I believe so, yes. Okay, so for people who are not, basically I just lay my voice down in the role. Um, they're probably going to hire a celebrity for a feature film so that the animators can get a really super good head start on it. Because people who don't do my line of work every day, they tend to want to see what's happening and they um, they they just want to they put the animation up and then the voice actors act to the picture and they remove my my scratch and that's it. But it gives the animators something to draw to and it really gets the ball rolling. So I was doing this um, thing called the Snow King and I played the role of grandmother and she sounded something like that. She was crazy and they kept my voice. So I am the role of grandmother. All right. That sounds fantastic. It's like, and how did I know? How did I find out? I was looking for things to talk to you about today. Like I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything new and fabulous and fun that I was doing. And it's listed on my credits on IMDb. Oh, cool. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that is, that is very exciting. And it makes me smile. And it makes me so damn happy I can't stand it. <laughs> yes, I'm really, really uh, looking forward to the new movie uh, when it comes out. And yeah, it's beautifully rendered. It, they're doing it all in Russia, and it's it's beautiful. And um, I think that the guys that are doing the animation have a great sense of humor and a great sense of timing. So you'll get the beautiful story of the Snow King, which can be a little dark and gothic novel and then you'll get this crazy character of me singing disco songs whenever <laughs> I ask, if you want my body and you think I'm sick she come on baby let me know that's what she sings when she's waiting for spells to happen <laughs> great so it, it makes me really happy because I will tell you, when you're just scratching a track, you have much more fun because you're open and you're free and you're like thinking of all these fun lines that probably Kristen Chenoweth or somebody fabulous is going to say. And then they're going to say, and then when it's you, you're just like, I can't even stand myself. I'm so excited. Yeah, definitely. And, and it just goes to show you for any actors or actresses out there, whether you be performing live or performing with voices, even if you think that you're not going to get anything or any particular role, just have fun with it. You never know what could happen. Do you know what my mom used to say? Show up. Just show up. Show all the way up. You never, you never know. And I've been doing this so long and I still audition. I still audition. Nobody gives me a job. Nobody calls me and goes, oh, let's get candy in. Uh, only time that I get, oh, let's get candy in is if I've auditioned and I've earned it. So I tell everybody, I am not sitting any princessy perch. I, I have a, a, a method that I, that I do to create my characters, and then I audition just like everybody else. Absolutely. Everybody auditions. Uh, you know, if, for some people who are wondering about, you know, how do we get some of our guests over? We don't, the guests don't come to us. We have to go to them. We ask them. We ask them yes. either on Facebook or Twitter, or we email them saying, hey, would you be interested in? Most people say no because they're busy. Right. But then there are some people who are wonderful like Candy will say, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, uh, let's yeah. schedule some time. It's just a chance to, to reach out and tell people that, um, if this is something that you'd like to do, 
Um, it's completely accessible. You know, there are a bunch of people out there that like to talk about this being a family or a private club. Well, yeah, I do work with a lot of the same people, but I also work with a lot of brand new people. So I always tell people, yes, it's very similar to a family, but I have a family. Thank you very much. What it's similar to is the cast of a movie um, that keeps shooting every week and you just change some people on it. Like I go on and I do guest stars on Breadwinners. Am I there every week? No. A um, couple of people are. They do their thing every week. But, um, you know, it's it's just a, it's a job. It's not a club. You can do it if you're a good actor and if you train. You can do this. Um, it isn't easy to get into because um, there are so many people who still sound um, like they do and they're still doing their characters but it nothing is impossible trust me nothing is impossible really yeah absolutely nothing is impossible everybody can do something as long as you're able to put some work into it and simply yeah. just by showing up it can make a whole big difference it really can it is um you know it 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 really is and when you audition, you have to do the work of reading it, making choices about character. It's the same work that you do for on-camera. It's the same work that you do when you have to go to a meeting at a regular job that isn't show business. Can you imagine going to a business meeting and not having read the notes? Oh. You, it's everything that you have to do at every normal job you have to do when you show up to do voice work. And uh, again, I always take issue with the people that would like to make this sound like a private club that we're all members of. No, I I've known everybody a long time, but there is room. There is room for talent. There is always room for talent. Always. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, with everybody who is planning on doing any job, even if it's not acting, can be able to take this into heart. Absolutely. Um, and just, you know, like my mom said, show up. Yep. Just show all the way up. All right. Uh, I don't think uh, there's uh, any other questions that I want to ask. So um, okay. any other um, plug or promotions that you want to share right before you go? No, I think that you can, anybody that wants to ask anything, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm on it pretty regularly. Um, I'm not on Facebook as much as I probably should be. Um, part of that is because I don't remember my password. And, um, no, part of that is that once I get in it, I get addicted to it. But Twitter I'm on, and I'm at Candy Milo, and Candy is with an I. And if you follow me on Twitter, you can ask me any questions. You don't even have to private, honestly, you don't even have to private message me. I'm on there quite a bit. And I would be happy to speak to anybody or answer any young person's medium-age person uh, questions that anybody has. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on, Patricia. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Candy. This is a wonderful way to start 2015. Yeah, all good things. We got all of the crap out of the way. And just remember one thing before I say goodbye. If she taps, you're fucked. Yes! That's <laughs> going to be the slogan of 2015. If she taps, you're fucked. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So that concludes this episode of Casual Chats. And we hope to see you in the next one. So take care and bye-bye.